Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Hughes Views, uh, sponsored by Amphibian Apparel. Whatever the situation, home, streetwear and sports, there are no excuses. And KH Decorating, making your house a home. We've got a few bits to uh, cover this week, so we'll get straight into it, Dan. Um, I guess the, the biggest news over the weekend was the fact that uh, Chris Wilder left his role as Sheffield United manager after almost five years in charge. Um, Sheffield United are, as we know, rock bottom of the Premier League. They've been there for a, a while now. Um, and they look, you know, dead certs to go down now. Do you think a major rebuild is required in the Championship next season for Sheffield United? Yeah, I think so. I think if they're going to be wanting to bounce back, I think we've covered this in in recent weeks about how the you know the Championship in England is probably the hardest league to to get out of. So there will need to be some sort of rebuild. They are probably going to have a couple of their players poached uh, next year, but I think it's a bit unfortunate that he's left. Um, it's good to see that he's left his post off of his own accord uh, and it wasn't like he was pushed or sacked. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens in, like, in, in, in the next few weeks, see if anything materialises. But I would have liked to have seen him take them back down and then see what he could do because, as you say, he's been there for five years. He's seen it always... He's pulled them out of nowhere, basically. And, okay, so it hasn't worked for him this year. But last season, they got a top-half finish in the Premier League, which uh, yeah, everybody wrote them off last year. So, as I say, it'd be interesting. Um, good manager, I think. Um, you know, he'd definitely have his, uh, his options. I think it was very much uh, a second season syndrome. You know, it's very cliche, but you know they have suffered. Uh, you know, especially following a, a top ten finish last season, they're now on fourteen points. At the same stage last season, upon, upon Wilder's departure, they had forty three points. Just going to rattle off a few stats for you, Dan, and just want to know your views on it. Only six clubs in the top flight history have recorded fewer points at this stage. When Sheffield United failed to beat Crystal Palace in their 17th match this season, they set the record for the longest winless start to a Premier League campaign. Their 20 Premier League games without a clean sheet is the longest current run in the division. And their win at Old Trafford in January was their only league victory of the season so far. So it just shows you, uh, you know, I think Chris Wilder had his work cut out. On paper, I think if you looked at Sheffield United, you could argue that they are a championship side. Um, I think it screams a bit Bournemouth towards the you know the end of their tenure in the Premier League. Uh, likes of Norwich, Yo-Yo teams, even West Brom to an extent. I think probably on paper their squad's just better than Sheffield United's, but West Brom probably fall into that bracket of you know being a Yo-Yo club. Do you think? Um, what do you think is next for Chris Wilder, Dan? Well, like I said, I think he'll have his options, um, and I think that. If I'm not mistaken, I think Sam Allardyce, when he came to the end of his uh, role with us, um, he sort of pitched Wilder to the board and said, you know, this is the the next up-and-coming British coach. And um, it's a bit of a merry-go-round, you know, there's a lot of um, vacancies at the moment, so his, his name will be in the frame for a lot. Um, I've heard a few uh, Newcastle supporters over the last sort of week say that he could be the man to replace Steve Bruce, so... It's interesting, but I don't think he's going to be out of work for a, for a long time. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of teams, you know, trying to persuade Chris Wilder to take the reins at their club. Do you think he gets a Premier League job next season? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't think I, I don't think you can class his managerial presence on this season alone. Um, and you could argue that maybe if he was at a, a bigger club that has a better status and a little bit more of a purse then he might be able to do a bit more bring a few heads in 
Sheffield United haven't really changed their team that much since they came up into the Premier League that I can think of off the top of my head. And I think maybe that might be their downfall. They didn't really do much business. Um, they didn't bring in anyone else. I, I know that they broke the bank for Rian Brewster, but um, even at the time, I think there was a lot of people that said that maybe it was overpriced, a little bit of inflation there because he was a Liverpool player, a young Englishman. But um, he's really struggled this season, I think. I don't think he's really done a lot for them. I know they're not performing as a team, but he's definitely not hit the heights that I thought he would. I always uh, scour Twitter just to get opinions of other fans on their clubs. And I think the main gripe with Sheffield United fans, I think that Sheffield United spent quite a lot when they came up, you know, in excess of 100 million, which, you know, in today's money for a promoted side, it's, you probably argue it's not a lot of money. You know, Fulham spent a lot more and they went down a few seasons ago. But I think it's the, the wage budget that they had and a lot of Sheffield United fans grumbles are at the board. Uh, you know, they're trying to attract all these players. They've got the transfer budget, but the board will not budge when it comes to wages. So perhaps, uh, you know, perhaps Chris Wilder thought, you know, enough is enough. Uh, there's been rumbles in the past where he's not quite happy with the board. And perhaps, um, you know, the recent one of results was the you know the last draw for him. And I don't think he got sacked. I think he did leave. Uh, but I think, you know, I think if your hands turned and uh, you don't agree with the board and, you know, the writing is on the wall and the side is going down. Perhaps he thought, you know, I've taken the club as far as I can. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, so on Tuesday night, Dan, we had the horrific injury to Aru Patricio. The news is it was just concussion injury. It wasn't as bad as Raul Jimenez. But I guess the point that I want to touch upon is this delayed offside rule. I personally don't agree with it. Um, and I know a lot of other friends of ours, they don't agree with it either. Do you think the offside rule should be reviewed again with the safety of the players being absolutely paramount? Yeah, and I think that the the thing that we need to mention here as well is that, that we were waiting for something like this to happen um, for it to be looked into because I've said for weeks that if they continue the play knowing that there's a, a you know, there's a possible offside and something happens to a player, then how do you then go back and say, well, it was offside. You know, it could be uh, a horrendous challenge like we saw to Rui Patricio. It could be it could be anything. It could be a, a player that pulls up for, uh, you know, a lesser injury, anything. But if the play is continued when you know in yourself as a linesman, you can see that they're a few yards offside or even just a yard offside. If you're confident, just put the flag up. I don't think that it needs to be... I don't think the play needs to continue. And I think you mentioned it last week with VAR. You know the the intensity of the game has gone, um, and you you sort of find yourself not wanting to celebrate to eat too early or be too eager in your celebrations for a goal because you know that everything is reviewed now. So, you know it, it's the same way in that he's obviously come into a, a bad situation and come off really badly on or, um, uh, you know earlier in the week, and that's all down to the fact that the flag wasn't raised when it when it quite rightly should have been. So. I definitely think there's work to be done and I think it needs some review. Um, and obviously that goes to be said with, with VAR on the whole. I think there needs to be some serious review um, and whether that become becomes something that they look at at the end of the season or at the end of the European Championships and then into next season, we'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah, it's definitely something not quite right there. I think a lot of referees would be happier uh, bringing the play up a lot earlier, you know. If, uh, if I'm just going to pick an example, a player's beating the offside trap, or he thinks he's beating the offside trap, 
Um, and as soon as he touched the ball for the first time, the linesman puts his flag up and the referee blows the whistle. That stops, you know, the player running an extra 30 yards through on goal, the keeper coming out, swiping him, or like we saw to Patricia. I know, I think it was Connor Cody who took him out, but, you know, there's no reason why you couldn't replicate when Hunt hit check with his knee in the head. If the keeper comes out and then the knee goes down, if you can prevent that, happening you know 40 yards further up the pitch I think the referee is going to be all too happy for that and then we've got VAR anyway so if the player thinks he's burst through the offside trap and he's through on goal Lansman puts the flag up um, and the referee uh, brings the play back you have the um, I guess you could you could toss a coin would the player have gone through and scored the goal um, or but you see the players dejections on their faces when they you know they know they're going to be flagged up for offside they keep running and they almost go to a stop and you just see them looking over to the linesman and only then does the flag go up. I think, you know, like you said, it was always going to be a matter of time before an injury like this was going to happen. Um, and I think, you know, a massive overhaul is needed of the rules. Um, VAR itself, there's been a lot of controversy and perhaps we will, like we've always said in previous podcasts, we will have an episode where we focus on, you know, the major events of this season throughout the Premier League and beyond. Um, and, and we see, you know, how can this be improved? Like we touched upon last week, Arsene Wenger, he wants to bring in, um, you know, a tweak to the rule. And I think a lot of fans would would, would appreciate that. Dan, we're going to just pop into Europe now. Uh, last night was Man City. They won. Uh, it was very comfortable in the end. Man City win the Champions League this season, Dan? Yeah, I think they can. Um, I actually think that they could, you know, they could win everything. Um, I don't see past them at the moment, but you know my record with this sort of stuff and uh, yeah. predictions is not great. You'll so, be jinxing them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think last week, did I not say that uh, I, I couldn't look past Spurs in the in the North London derby and they ended up, you know, coming up short. So my record's not great at the moment, um, but I do think that City are strong. Um, and obviously we've got the... Uh, Carabao Cup final on Sunday so that's the first silverware that's available for the season and as you say it was comfortable over two legs for them in Europe and they look to be far and away um, in the Premier League as well so it it looks good for them um, and it's up to them you know to just keep doing what they're doing and hopefully from a neutral perspective if they do get to the Champions League final then they come up against a team that's actually going to try and play rather than try and just keep them out because we've seen this season that teams that set up that way just end up you know like Fulham for example you know they did well to, to have it at nil nil in the, uh, by half time uh, a couple of weeks back but then you know 15 minutes into the second half and the game's dead and buried and it's 3 nil. so you, you just can't keep Man City out How far can Man City go this season Dan? The treble or dare we say the quadruple? Yeah I think all of the time that they're in all of the competitions, I think they'll believe they can go all of the way. Um, and I think Pep's got that winning mentality, so I wouldn't write them off. They've certainly got the squad for it as well. Yeah, that's it. I think the difference is the squad depth, isn't it? I think we've spoken about Liverpool and the fact that they can't, you know, can't um, can't win at the moment with their injuries. And uh, although it can't be used ex- as an excuse, it's obviously affected them this year. Um, and if, you know where they stand in the table is not a reflection of where where they are as a team um, and, and as a unit at full strength. So. If they can keep everybody fit, Al, I think that, you know, with the rotation working in their favour, I don't see why they can't challenge for everything. Um, and I definitely, I think a double is is almost nailed on um, and a treble is, 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 is there as well. But quadruple, I mean, we could see it, but, uh, you know, let's wait and see. Yeah, I agree with you. I think 
you know, they've all but wrapped up the league. And I know they lost to United in the Manchester derby, but I don't think that's going to stop them. Um, I think they may be five or six wins away from the league now, Dan. And, they, you know, they're in the Carabao Cup final against Spurs. It depends what Spurs side turn up. Man City could blow them away, but Spurs could, you know, a Mourinho masterclass. You certainly wouldn't rule it out. But and we're going to touch upon the North London derby in a second. Um, but who do you think is the most important player in the squad at the moment for Man City to ensure that they stay on course for this success? There's loads of that. There, there's a couple there. We, we obviously speak about Phil Foden. We, we both rate him very highly. Um, and if he can maintain the way that he's playing at the moment. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne's obviously at the heart of everything at the moment. But I, I'm going to give a, a, a shout out to John Stones, I think, because... He does the business in the back line, but he's actually added goals to his game this season. He got a couple against us, obviously. Um, but, you know, it, I know that they want to share the love a little bit with the way, the way that they're scoring goals. But if he can if he can get his confidence levels up at both ends of the pitch, it's going to help uh, the whole team and it's going to, you know, get their heads up. So, uh, yeah, I think I'd, I'd say John Stones. What about yourself? What do you think? I'm not sure. I think, you know, Aguero's very much gone under the radar this season. Uh, you know, you could argue that he is Mr. Man City. You know, he's been there from the start um, and they start winning all the league titles and you know, he's been ever present, you know, there or thereabouts the top goal scorer every season. Um, and I think he's been very quiet this season and I think he will be, you know, called upon, um, especially with all these fixtures building up. Um, Gabriel Jesus, he's a good player, but I don't think he's quite in the Aguero category. Uh, Man City seems to be getting goals from all over the pitch. Like you say, John Stones is scoring a lot of goals at the moment, but they're also watertight at the back. And obviously, if you don't concede any goals, um, you know, you've got every chance of, of, of winning games. So I'm going to say that Aguero will turn up. Um, I have a feeling uh, it's more of a, a hope more than anything, but I think um, if he goes to leave in the summer, I'd like to see them try and get Erling Haaland. I think I'd love to see him in the Premier League and, you know, I know he's a big, you're a big admirer of his as well. Um, if Man City can, you know, spend the money uh, and they can entice Haaland to Premier League, uh, he'd be the ideal replacement for Aguero. Um, but I still think Aguero's got a say, um, you know, in this season still. Right, Dan, I said we're going to touch on the uh, North London derby. It was Arsenal who were victorious in the end. Um, Lamella with an absolutely outrageous goal with a Rabona. Uh, and then, as usual, the team who scores first in the North London derby goes on to lose. Um, but I guess the talking point really was Aubameyang being left on the bench due to disciplinary issues. What was your thought when you saw uh, Aubameyang on the bench? Well, as I mentioned, obviously, I had Spurs to, to take the three points. So when I saw Aubameyang didn't make the start in eleven. I was assuming that it was for, you know, he'd maybe had a knock or something or he was not fully fit. But um, the more I learned about it, I thought that it would have played into uh, Spurs' favour, absolutely. The one thing I would say is that Lamella went from hero to zero, obviously, because he got himself sent off. But I think that's bad, bad uh, game management from the coach, to be honest, because when he was on a yellow, you could see that he was still flinging himself around and trying to, you know, bite and entice the play, you know, uh, sort of get a reaction out of the Arsenal players. So, you know, if I was Mourinho, I would have hooked him, to be honest. Uh, I'm not saying that's the reason why they lost the game, but you know how hard it is to, to play a game of football with, with a man down, um, especially against a team like Arsenal as well. So, I, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird one. I I, I, I think his goal was like, that. that's going to get goal of the season. There's no doubt about it. You know, that that's that's just an outrageous goal, as you mentioned. But, you know, Bale was very quiet. 
Uh, I think it's come out after the game that Harry Kane wasn't fully fit, and I think that showed because he wasn't—he was a shadow of the player that he's been. Um, so maybe Arsenal got a little bit of a little bit of luck, but they definitely um, took the game to Spurs, and I think that they they deserved the win um, after you know the ninety minutes. I think it's tough. I know you know there's no secret the Spurs haven't got the strongest squad, and they haven't got that much depth. I think with Son going off injured and Lamella coming on to replace him, Mourinho thought you know maybe I can't drag him off. One thing that a lot of Spurs fans who I know always say about Lamella is he will always go into a tackle 100%. Um, and you could argue that he could have got booked earlier in the game. He got the yellow. You know, shock horror, it was from a slide. And you could just see uh, he was a ticking time bomb. A substitution that um, surprised me, especially when Spurs were going for the game at this point, was when he brought Bale off. And Bale looked as bemused as everybody else to bring on Sissoko. And I think the score at the time was 1-1. I could be wrong there, but I think it was 1-1. And you, if you're Jose, you, you know, is he happy for a point there? And then when Lamella gets sent off like that, um, and the penalty was a, was a dubious call. You know, I've spoke to both sets of fans and I've, sp- I've spoken to a lot of people and they half have said, yeah, it's a penalty. Half have said, no, it wasn't. I think if that's a foul anywhere else on the pitch, you know, it is a free kick. So by letter of the law, it probably was a penalty. It was maybe quite clumsy uh, on the part of Davison Sanchez. But, you know, if Lacazette makes contact with the ball, um, it's probably not going to be a foul. Uh, the fact that he scuffed it and Sanchez has clattered him afterwards, uh, you know, the penalty was dispatched. And if Aubameyang was on the pitch, he'd have probably taken that and scored it. Um, but I think... And that's the Tottenham, isn't it? Um, some weeks they'll turn up and they'll hit teams for three or four. Uh, and other teams, you know, when they don't turn up, if Kane and Son don't really turn up, the whole the team as a whole don't turn up. So I wasn't too surprised at the result in the end. Um, and we're going to just touch upon um, the Europa League in a second. And Tottenham are all but there, um, as are Arsenal. So... It'd be interesting to see what happens with Spurs at the end of the season. I think top four is probably out of their grasps. I'll go out on a whim and say they won't get top four. Perhaps if they can win the Europa League, that will be their route for Champions League football. OK, Dan, so on to Europa League Thursday tomorrow. We had the first legs uh, last week. Like I said earlier, Arsenal and Spurs both have two goal leads going into the second leg. Can United win in Milan? They drew 1-1 at Old Trafford, Dan. Yeah, I think the the telling thing there is the fact that Milan have got that away goal. Um, I, I I was really pleased for the young lad, the young United lad. I think that their their fan base um, obviously rate him very highly, but him getting a goal uh, was it his debut hour, I believe. So you know that that that's massive for him. Um, but whether they can go to, go to San Siro and and get get the win and go forward is, is a tough one. I think they they probably needed to put the game to bed um, at home to go over there to have a chance. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And uh, I think Milan played really, really well. They surprised me, actually. Uh, I did watch the game last Thursday and with Diallo coming on, you were happy with him. It was a really well-taken goal as well, actually. But with Milan, you know, they set up so, so well and arguably they could have gone ahead. I didn't see a lot wrong with the, the Kessie goal and Man United fans themselves said, I don't really know how that's been ruled out. Um, and then for Milan to get the late equaliser is probably what they will deserve. And if they set up the same way, you know, United could be in trouble tomorrow. So they've really got to, um, you know, pull out all the stops to, to qualify in Milan. The next club, down I want to just bring to your attention is Rangers. Uh, they drew 1-1 away from home. Can they see off Slavia Prague at Ibrox? Hope so. I uh, would love to see them progress. 
the one thing that I mentioned, I think I mentioned um, last week, was that I would have liked to see them adapt their game a little bit and try and shut up shop over there. Um, to which you sort of said that that's something that the Rangers just can't do, which is which is fair. That's a fair assumption. But I think at home they should have enough. Um, and I think going into the you know the last eight. I think as a Rangers supporter, you would take that. Um, and I think if even if they weren't to progress any further, if you're talking about the financial revenues and you know the TV money and everything for them, this is massive. Um, it's absolutely huge. So it's a big game for them tomorrow, um, on and off the pitch, and it might set them up for the summer and hopefully give Gerard a little bit of um, backing in the in the window to maybe cement another title or at least you know a, a good run. Um, next year as well so big game tomorrow i don't think it's just the 90 minutes that everyone looks at i think there's a lot a lot riding on it for them yeah i think you made a really good point there that you know there's that potential huge windfall um i think the one person who really stood out for me and implored it to him was anna mcgregor the save he made to keep ranges in the game i don't know if you've seen it dan it was such a strong left hand and I think Stephen Gerrard would have been happy with the score draw. Uh, you know, they need a real strong defensive performance tomorrow night. Um, and if they can um, nick a couple of goals, you know, they're all but through. But it'd be nice to see, uh, you know, if Rangers can qualify, if they can draw one of the, the British boys, you know, one of Arsenal or Spurs, should they qualify. It'd be nice to see a, a British tie. Um, and we will wait with fingers crossed that, uh, you know, all British clubs can do the job. Oh, so I was just going to say, yeah, I did see McGregor save actually, and I think from from my opinion, no, I just he's got no right to save that. He's what thirty nine years old, so you know, no one would have even you know batted an eyelid should that go in, and you know, but the fact that he saved it is just outrageous, really. Um, and as you mentioned as well, you know that they, they they've got it's it's theirs to lose. I think if you if you if you want to put it loose, I think it's theirs to lose tomorrow. Can you imagine what would have happened with a full Ibrox tomorrow night with all the fans in the ground? You probably fancy Rangers to absolutely storm it. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's an exciting week, uh, you know, for them because obviously we've got the old firm as well on Sunday and although the league is wrapped up, it's still, you know, you know what the affair is about. So, you know, they'll be bouncing off the walls at the moment, their fan base, and I don't think that they can put a foot wrong at the moment, so uh, should they crash out tomorrow, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world for them. You know, they've won their first league in 10 years. So, you know, if there's, they'll have one one eye on next season already, I think. So, Ajax young boys, it was a three-goal lead for Ajax. And the same for Roma against Shakhtar the next. They take a three-goal aggregate lead. Can Ajax or Roma, let's assume they are going to go through, can they be major threats to the British side for the rest of the tournament? Yeah, I don't think you can write Ajax off ever. That uh, was only what a couple of years back that they were in the final. So, um, uh, sorry, in the in the, in the semi final um, against Spurs. So, you know they are, they are a Champions League team in my opinion. I don't think that they they should be playing Europa League football. But um, and also because of their their history, their heritage, and their academy, I think they're always going to be a, a threat to anybody. Um, like you say, provided they can go through, there could be upsets. So, um, you know, let's wait and see what happens. We will keep our eyes peeled on tomorrow night's events and we hope all British clubs can come through and we will review the draw when that's next made. Over to this weekend, Dan, we've got the FA Cup quarterfinals weekend. It feels like an age since we've had FA Cup football. Uh, the four ties in the quarterfinal are Bournemouth against Southampton, 
Everton against Man City, Chelsea against Sheffield United and Leicester against Man United. Who do you see progressing in those four tyres, Dan? Uh, I think I think uh, Southampton is the obvious choice out of the first tie. Um, and I think I read earlier on today that Jordan Pickford's not going to make the squad for the City game. So that could be a route, um, depending on who Ancelotti puts in. Um, you know, I don't think they've got... Uh, and a big name, so to speak, to come in and replace Pickford. Um, I'm not Pickford's biggest fan, granted, but he's still their number one at the moment. Um, so I would back City. Uh, Sheffield United and Chelsea, I can't see past Chelsea. Um, and I, and the, the big one for me is Leicester and United. I can't call that, to be honest. Um, I've watched Leicester a lot this year, and sometimes they can really turn it on. So it really depends on what Leicester team turns up. Uh, but I think Man United will want to go whole hog with this. Uh, they, you know, although they're still in Europa League, as it stands. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, mate. You, you just mentioned uh, Jordan Pickford. He's going to miss the uh, World Cup qualifiers. <laughs> in addition to this, so he could be a huge miss uh, for Everton. He'll miss the World Cup qualifiers against San Marino, Albania, and Poland for England. And Southgate will name his squad tomorrow. If there's no Pickford, who do you think will be the number one for those three qualifiers? Uh, I will go with Pope, personally. Um, and actually, I, I, I know we will probably cover it off closer to the time of the tournament, but I would probably put Pope as England's number one anyway. Um, I just don't, I just don't rate Pickford. I don't think he's a good, he's a good shot stopper, but he's just clumsy. He's a clumsy player. Um, he, he doesn't have the, the right mentality to be a top goalkeeper, in my opinion. Um, so I, I I would obviously still take him as an option, but I wouldn't you know I wouldn't play him. I'd put uh, Pope in, um, and and probably Henderson as backup. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that goalkeeper spot is there for the taking. Um, obviously Henderson is having a run in the United team at the moment, and um, Pope has been ever present for for Burnley this season. And you probably would argue that Pope is England's best choice. Southgate likes Pickford, so you know I don't doubt that he won't go to the Euros. But it's certainly going to be an interesting race who gets. Um, you know, the number one jerseys, the Euro start. I'm looking at Bournemouth, Southampton. I think Southampton, we know they're on a bit of a horrid run of form. Um, if Bournemouth are going to do Southampton, it's the best ever time they're going to be able to play them. And I guess there's a little bit of a derby in that, Bournemouth and Southampton. I think we might see an upset there. I'm going to go with Bournemouth to uh, do Southampton over the 90 minutes. Everton, Man City. Yeah, you know, I can't see past Man City. You know, they've got a huge squad at their disposal. Even playing uh, last night, they're going to look so strong against Everton. But Ancelotti will um, will fancy his chances. That could be the tie of the round. Chelsea, Sheffield United. You know, I think we can only see that going one way. Uh, I know at time of recording, Chelsea are playing tonight against Atletico Madrid. And I think they'll get the job done if Tuchel can, you know, set Chelsea up quite defensively to keep a clean sheet. You know, they're through. Um, Chelsea, I think they'll walk that game over Sheffield United. And Leicester United, uh, Leicester Man United, that's a tough one to call as well. Um, you know, Leicester looked really good all by it against the Sheffield United team that had just lost Wilder. Um, but, you know, if Leicester can turn it on, Ian Acho, Vardy, <laughs> that's dangerous to any side. Obviously, United are playing tomorrow night and then they play at the weekend. That's a very, very quick turnaround. Um, I, would, I actually might fancy Leicester to go through there as well. So, of the eight teams, Dan, who is your tip for the FA Cup? Can you see past Man City? No, I can't. I've, 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 it's funny you mention about Leicester and United. I think you're right. I think the fatigue could be a factor for United. I think the fact that they're playing tomorrow um, and then playing again, it's, it's going to be telling for them. 
Um, but I fancy whoever wins that tie between Leicester and United to go go to the final as well. So, you know, you could argue you could probably see a Manchester derby in the final, but uh, no, I, I can't see past Man City winning the trophy. Thanks very much, Dan. As usual, keep all your questions coming into our uh, Instagram page and on our Twitter page. If there's anything you want us to cover, do let us know. Uh, good luck to all British clubs in the Europa League and good luck to Chelsea in the Champions League tonight. Thank you very much. Yep, thanks everyone.